Hello and welcome to Filmy Ladies. I am Beth and here is Pitu, co-host extraordinaire. And we are doing another book to film discussion today of a novel and film that we both love very, very much, The Namesake. Yay! <laughs> I One of the reasons I'm excited to talk about The Namesake is that uh, just a little over four years ago, five years ago, um, I wrote or co-wrote with some colleagues and was awarded a national grant to do programming at my museum around the namesake. Yay! As part of a national endowment for the arts, Big Read, where the whole point is that community organizations get together, you distribute copies of the book, you try to get a lot of people to read the book, and then you do book discussions and then other kinds of programming. And my programming, because I work in a museum, also involved creating an exhibit that had things on loan from Indian Americans in our community, and people talked about what these objects meant to them and their sense of identity and stuff like that. So like, I have so many amazing experiences of talking about this book and this film with people in my town, not only people from the Indian diaspora, but significantly them as well. And it was just, you know, when we first decided to do this, people were like, oh, but that book has been out for a while. Why do you want to do it? And, you know, people were so excited to have a chance to talk about this again. Like this story resonates with people so very deeply, clearly, mm -hmm. and not just people from the Indian diaspora, a lot of kinds of people, but I mean, maybe particularly, and that was, that was so moving. And of course the film is staggeringly wonderful. We showed the film as part of the programming and about 190 undergraduates came to see it. Wow. Most of them had never seen it before. And they were you know, often when you go to a film screening and undergrads are there, maybe because they have to be for class, like you can tell that they have to be there and they don't really want to be. They wanted to be there and like the humor landed with them, the emotion landed with them. It was really amazing. So something that can speak to so many generations of people and so many kinds of people is clearly just something worth talking about on our little podcast. Um, mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask you first, um, you are a member of the Indian diaspora in the yeah. United States. Can you speak a little bit about how this book um, reflects or speaks to or makes you think of different things in your own experiences? Multiple things um, and from varied perspectives, yeah. because I am not only a member of the Indian diaspora in America, but I'm also like a person of Indian heritage who didn't grow up in India. Mm. I grew up in Nigeria, so it's like a double whammy. Mm. So mm. India was also foreign to me. Mm -hmm. And then America was also foreign to me. The only mm. country that's actually not foreign to me is Nigeria. <laughs> so there's a lot of like learning and unlearning mm. and all of the things um, for me. So I can completely understand Gogol and where he's coming from yeah. and all of the rebellion and that, you know, you're just old fogies and I don't want to do what you you know, tell me to do. I get that because I've done that multiple times in my life. And there's like little moments in this um, book and this movie that are so amazing. Like, mm -hmm. I love that scene where um, Ashima is newly arrived in um, New England and um, she goes to the laundromat, even though Ashok has told her not to by herself, but she goes and she basically shrinks all of his sweaters and he's so like upset about it. And she's so embarrassed <laughs> about it. And I remember my own similar moment that happened when I was um, newly arrived in America and I had like a little uh, student um dishwasher. So I did my master's in Atlanta and I, I, I realized now how lucky I was. I had such a nice little like one bedroom apartment and I had like a dishwasher and everything. And I have so many like student friends around here and it's like, they live in absolute garrets right. in comparison. Right. Like I had like a good life. We had like a pool and everything. But anyway, <laughs> so we had a dishwasher and I had never used a dishwasher in my mm -hmm. life. And I was like, whatever, how hard can it be? And I did not have dishwasher detergent. I had dish soap. Oh which I did not realize that these are two different things. I mean, I was like, whatever. So of course, being like very overconfident, I never asked any of my like friends or anyone how to use a dishwasher. I was like, I'll figure it out. And I used dish soap and I put that in the dishwasher. <laughs> and I went and walked my dog and I came back 15 minutes later <laughs> to like a completely soapy kitchen <laughs> and there were bubbles everywhere. And I went to do full on panic mode. Like I had been in this apartment for like, a week. 
and I could see my security deposit disappearing and I was just horrified. I panicked and then I uh, knocked on my neighbor's door. His name was uh, Keith and I knocked on his door. He's a pothead and he comes out like completely high and he's like, hey, you need any help? And I was like, yes, something happened. And then he came and then like he was he was a pothead so he couldn't really speak very clearly and I was panicking and my dog wasn't helping. Eventually he figured out my mistake and he was like well you put dish soap in. I was like it's soap delicious <laughs> <laughs> and I, I told like my classmates the next day and one of my friends was like he was from Topeka Kansas and he goes didn't anyone tell you how to load a dishwasher like he looked at me like I was so stupid I was like actually we don't have dishwashers in India so no <laughs> but <laughs> that's I one have- of the things I have also put dish soap in the dishwasher uh, and it was at my museum because we have a dishwasher, you know, for our, um, for just like lunch lunch dishes and stuff. Well, it wasn't great, but fortunately, and I had done it kind of at the end of the day, I was going to set it and leave. And fortunately there were still some people around and the bubbles were starting to come out. And so someone opened the door and we Googled and what you are supposed to do, if I recall correctly, is put salt in there because that will, the abrasive and the salt breaks up the surface tension that of the soap that forms the bubbles. Oh. Cause you can't put more water in to rinse it out. Right. right, right. Get, so yeah. So uh, someone can fact check me on this, but I'm pretty sure what we, what we did anyway is throw salt in there and just kind of let it and then get it to drain. And then like, you should be okay. Oh my or like maybe okay. run one more cycle. <laughs> But yeah, so I, I have also done it. It was a very like Brady Bunch kind of moment with the soap foaming out. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> it's very striking, though. <laughs> it, it's fun. I mean, it's it's and it makes for a good story. Once Great you're story. over the initial panic and mm-hmm. the security deposit worries and the stonehead, <laughs> the pothead neighbors and all of that jazz. Um, but I think that's also one of the things I like so much about the namesake that so many times stories about immigrants and stories about the diaspora can be oh, so weighty and everything Mm. is so sad and there's so much navel gazing. And I am not a sad person by nature. I'm a very happy, optimistic person. So one of the things I love, what? No, I I like to cry, but I I was going to say you're on on record (laughs) as saying crying is one of your hobbies. So it is, it is one of my hobbies. (laughs) I like schedule time for it. Mm. No, but like one of the good things about the namesake book and movie is that there's so much humor in it too. Mm. And it doesn't take itself that seriously. I mean, there's parts in the book and in the movie that are definitely serious, but it doesn't feel like a very weighty book and a very weighty movie. And I personally, and this is going to be such an unpopular and terrible thing to say, but I personally hate stories that focus on the diaspora. <laughs> Precisely because I think that they focus too much on the negatives. Mm-hmm. And there is too much of a focus on how different everything is and the homesickness and all of that. And very little focus, I always feel like, on the joy and the wonder. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's there's no sense of like, discovery and excitement there's Mm. all of that is missing and it's just like boo-hoo I miss home and I'm like okay then why did you move (laughs) so (laughs) what about the namesake appeals to you Uh, well as I mentioned in a previous episode I come from a university town my parents were professors and I'm basically I'm a few years younger than Gogol not by much um so maybe the same age as his sister more or less and so this is all completely recognizable to me, you know, especially once they're out of Boston and they're living in the smaller suburb or a smaller town in Massachusetts. Like I know all these people, the way the parents, you know, the way the dad talks about his work here and there, um, this world is just, it's just very familiar. Um, and then of course, when you see it in the film, that was, you know, kind of an extra, like, and then the way they choose to use the what's in the kitchen and like the carpeting and all that kind of stuff is very recognizable. But I, um, you know, as someone, my family's been in the United States, most branches of us for over 150 years. Um, but everyone, you know, almost everyone in the United States is an immigrant in some way or other. And this novel, I think does such a good job at kind of bringing to the fore different American things, American identities, American ways of living, of talking to each other, of relationships and things like that. And I'm not saying they are specific only to the United States, but I think a lot of this book is, it does get at some things that are American or maybe even Mm -hmm. North American, but, you know, because they're taking place in the East coast of the U S now we can talk about that. So I think 
I think that it just is so recognizable. Um, but also things like everybody has a, well, almost everybody has a name and almost everybody has some kind of story that goes with their name, even if it's just my parents liked it. My parents had a friend named that, you know, mine, minor family names. It could not be a more standard story. Like it's, there's nothing interesting about how I got my name, but I think we all have stories about our names from having lived it and things like that. And then it's interesting to think about how something is so specific to you and yet has in some ways has nothing to do with who you are because it was given mm -hmm. to you before you had any personality of any kind <laughs> right. or had made any choices or lived anything. It, and so I think some of those kinds of issues are really interesting and again, quite universal. So I think, um, I, I don't know. I just love thinking about some of those things. And while, you know, while everyone did not have the experience of waiting for the name to come to them on a letter from Calcutta, um, yeah. everybody's got grandparents again, I shouldn't say, I'm sorry. I keep saying everybody. I mean, most people, many people have experienced generations before meddling in the generations now, oh, yeah. or like having opinions about what someone's choice is and making a bigger deal out of something than maybe it really is. And then at the same time in the namesake, I think there's so many tiny things that become significant because each of us have those too, right? Like we all have some, these little memories that actually mm -hmm. create who we are. Um, I'll also add that I, when I was doing all this work focused on the namesake, that, that project kicked off in terms of the public facing aspect of it in, um, right in the beginning of 2019 and the start of the new mm. academic semester in 2019, my own father died two months prior mm. and I was a wreck. I, you and I were not in close touch at that time. Um, but you know, other people who are listening to this probably may remember some of that for, because I was public about a lot of it. I still have a lot of grief over that. I had a wonderful relationship with my father. He was a wonderful human. I'm very lucky that way. But like, so this time around watching this stuff, it just gutted me. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I had been sad when I had watched and seen it, read it before, but, um, this time it was so raw and like, I didn't go back and look at the book for this podcast. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's too hard. Um, and the, and the, you know, Gogol and his dad have such a complicated relationship at mm -hmm. times. And that, you know, is even if that's not your own experience, that's, it's just so beautifully rendered yeah. written and acted and directed and filmed and everything about all the both depictions of this is just, it's so effective and it's so um, humanely sad. It's so sad. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, my, one of my hobbies is not crying, but boy, this, <laughs> <laughs> these properties really bring that out in me. Yeah. I mean, I read a lot and I watch a lot of movies and almost invariably, anytime someone tells me that a book is going to be made into a movie, my immediate reaction is to be like, oh, no, because I'm going <laughs> to be terrible and they're going to destroy it. But I think this is one of the few instances in which I actually think that the movie is better, mm. um, where I actually prefer the movie to the book. Not that mm. I don't like the book, I do. Um, but I think what makes the movie so much better for me is that the book almost primarily focuses on the namesake, which is Gogol. Um, and the movie gives so much scream time to Ashima, um, the mom. The book does not focus nearly as much on Ashima as the movie mm. does. And for me, any movie that's going to let me just gaze at Tabu's absolute loveliness um, <laughs> and just like you know, gaze at her the way Irfan gazes at her. <laughs> that, that movie is going to be superior to any book in my opinion. So I think for me, like this movie is so amazing because one of the most stark departures from the book is the fact that it gives so much more playtime to the parents. And the mm. weird thing is that I don't know who I relate to, but I feel like on many ways I actually relate to Ashima mm. more than Gogol himself. Mm. Um, and I think it's because I wasn't born and raised here. And so I don't have that identity crisis that Google has going yeah, on. But yeah. I did come here as an adult as Ashima did. Mm -hmm. And I had to like learn a new way of living. Everything mm -hmm. from how do I get a social security card? Oh, I have to go to the DMV. Where is the mm -hmm. DMV? You know, all of those things um, mm -hmm. make it make Ashima so much more relatable to me. Also her homesickness. Um, I remember my my first week in um, in Atlanta, 
it, no, it wasn't my first week. It was my first month in Atlanta and things had been going well. I was enjoying my, my college. I was enjoying my classmates, my studies, everything. And I got sick. I, it was just a basic cold. It wasn't anything big, but I had a cold and um, I had my dog with me. So my dog and I lived in my one bedroom apartment, uh, very close to campus. And I was really sick. I had a fever. I had I was too sick to actually go to a pharmacy, like to go to the Walgreens and go get medicine. I also did not know what American medicines were. Right. Like in yeah. India, I would go and buy Crocin or Saradon or, you know, just here. I, don't, I didn't even know, like, what is acetaminophen? <laughs> I'd never heard of it. Oh, so I was yeah. like, you know what? I was like, I'm just going to be at home. It's fine. I didn't know how to cook. So I ordered Papa John's pizza, which is not <laughs> the best thing to eat when you have a cold. Or and anytime. <laughs> or anytime. Yes. It's like rubber. And um, I had a fever and I remember crying. Also, my bed hadn't come yet because I'd ordered like a bunch oh. of like furniture from yeah. this like furniture place that was going out of business so I didn't have a bed so I was just sleeping on a comforter on the floor oh. and I had a fever. I was miserable and I remember crying and crying and my poor dog was like whimpering because she was so worried she was like what is happening to you are you dying please don't die on me and I remember crying because I thought to myself if I was right now in Mumbai if I was home my mom would be fussing over me my aunt would be fussing over me my cousin would be fussing over me like I would have a whole family holding my hand and giving me medicine and telling me to eat something. Instead, I'm alone. It's 1 a.m. I'm miserable and no one gives a shit if I die except for my dog. Um, so I think Ashima's insane levels of not, it's not even homesickness. It's her loneliness that yeah. I relate to so much yeah. because when you come from, whether it's India or France or Bangladesh or Tahiti or wherever you've moved from to America or to anywhere, really, you leave behind so much. Yeah. And eventually you do also gain a lot. You have mm -hmm. your found family and your friends who become like family and stuff like that. And maybe you marry and have children, have your own family. But it's that beginning phase where you've left the old and you haven't yet gotten the new. That sucks. <laughs> especially if you're sick because you just feel like well great I have no one <laughs> so I just like related so hard to Ashima and I just like love her character so much and Ashoka is such a darling I mean it's Irfan also Irfan and Ashima's love story is like probably one of my it's favorite cute. romances yeah. in Indian cinema yeah <laughs> and again so con so convincingly portrayed by these great great actors Phenomenal. Did you know? Oh, I thought you would be interested in knowing this if you didn't already. Your favorite, Rani Mukherjee, was actually um, asked to play the role that Tabu did. She really? refused the film because of date issues. Yes. That's very interesting to consider. Um, my, I think she would have been good. I think she probably would have been good. Yeah. Was this film criticized when it came out for not being Bengali enough? I don't know because I'm not Bengali, so I'm not privy to those conversations. You know, as someone he was who, very appreciated, though. Someone who, um, you know, tries to pay attention to Bengali cinema, um, and I, you know, quite a few people I follow on Twitter are Bengali, either in India or elsewhere. I feel I bet that came up because I remember. Amrita and I have talked about this so many times on podcasts when Detective Bumkesh Bakshi came out and people were like right. losing their shiz over like that's not the India coffee house or whatever, you know, the potatoes were wrong. <laughs> um, so I just feel like um, because the book is specifically Bengali American. Yeah, I would assume that there were some at least wishes that the cat, you know, that something about it had been a little more that the cast had maybe been or something. Um, however. You know, the, so the the professor that I worked with on this project is Bengali American, and she's always like, "It's fine." <laughs> so she's funny. Yeah. Um, but I don't um, really pay attention to much of that pedantry because a lot of it just feels like complaining and wishful thinking. It's like <laughs> you gotta get but, as long as you have a talented cast. I don't really yeah, know why like it when, matters. When something is yours, you know, and it strikes you as being about you in a way, it's hard yeah. to it's hard to see it. I mean, you were just saying you don't like when books are adapted at all. Often, so like imagine no. that it was culturally specific super specific to you and then yeah but sometimes it feels very gatekeepy that's true too I think that's true you know too. like like where is the boundary of this is mine and what's gatekeepy also what is the definition of mine right you know what and, I mean yeah like, I, I don't I know just, I always I was, hide all those things I was looking up um 
just briefly Jhumpa Lahiri's biography today because I didn't remember. She's lived in the United States since she was three. So, and she calls herself American. And I hadn't, I thought she was a later arrival and she was born in Britain. (laughs) So like you, she's, you know, of Indian ancestry, but not. And she has has lived lived in in Italy since 2010 and is married to an Italian. It sounds very foreign, but I don't know if he's Italian or Spanish or whatever. Her children have like European names. So I don't know. I think as the world gets more and more beige, and mm-hmm. um, boundaries start dissolving. I just, I don't even know what many of these yeah. things mean anymore, yeah. you know, especially if you live in California where it seems like everybody is beige, you know. Yeah. So, A lot of people are from everywhere, you know. They are. Is... I wouldn't be surprised if I met someone from Timbuktu. I haven't yet though. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Between the book and the movie, do you have a preference or no? No, it's whichever one I'm in in the moment or have most recently um, engaged with. I had not reread the book between when it came out and then this project that I did. Um, and I haven't looked at it again since just simply because of the, you know, dad grief issues. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's. Yeah, I, I like them both. And I don't I don't. There must be books that I've loved that I had kind of strong negative reactions to films being mm-hmm. made of at least at the announcement stage. Um, actually, I will, I don't, this may alter some people's opinion of me, but I'll share it anyway. Ooh. For a long time, one of my favorite novels was Bridget Jones's Diary because I thought it oh, was so Jones's epically Diary. funny. It's so yes. funny and so well observed. And again, Bridget is, you know, I'm a little bit younger than she and her friends, but not by, not by a ton. So like as a Gen X, you know, yeah. women's story, I think there's a lot that resonates in it. Um, And when that movie came out, I was very skeptical, but I love that movie. And I have watched it many, many times, but I think of them as different properties. Mm. Um, It is, there are things obviously that the film has changed and continues to change in the subsequent films. Um, They're just different, but they are take inspiration from the same thing. And that's, and that's totally fine by me. I mean, as we know, they're adaptations of Pride and Prejudice in a way anyway. So like, yeah, why not? But I, I was very like, and I'm, you know, uh, yeah. like, what do you mean Renee Zellweger is going to play a British person? <laughs> you know, but like, I, yeah. I, loved I loved it. Yeah, same. Um, I think that, I think the last time I had that reaction where I was like, what? Um, it was when they were going to make a movie out of Memoirs of a Geisha. So this is mm. a, it's a while very ago. old, mm-hmm. oh, it's a while ago, um, because I just loved that book so much. And I was just like, they're going to destroy it. And there was actually quite a lot of negative buzz about it. Because I was very excited that Ken Watanabe was going to be there because mm. I was like, yes. Yeah. Um, but there was a lot of criticism hurled at it because most of the women who played the geishas in question were not of Japanese role heritage Mm. they were mostly like Chinese or Chinese American Mm. or whatever so I know that there was a little bit of but I feel like it was just such a small loud vocal minority that did that because pretty much everyone else was like "Eh, whatever like I'm like I I don't care I truly do not care about the fact that Gong Li is not Japanese you know what I love her I want to watch this movie whatever (laughs) Michelle Yeoh like let me watch my movie in peace but I (laughs) I did enjoy Memoirs of a Geisha the movie as well but that was one that Mm. made me go "Hmm." my latest subject of skepticism is have you read this book um where'd you go bernadette <gasps> no but I, I know of it it is so good mm-hmm. and i am very worried um it they are apparently it's film rights have been sold and they've been talking about making a movie out of it and it's not that i'm skeptical because i think that it'll be bad or something i just don't think that that book is filmable mm. Because so much of that book is in the form of correspondence or almost Mm. entirely the book is in the form of correspondence. I was like, how do you make that into a movie? So I'm a little skeptical about that one because the book was phenomenal, but that's my Mm. latest narrowed eye thing that I have towards. (laughs) Um, How did you feel about, how do you feel about Mira Nair as a director in general? Good in general. Um, I love her Vanity Fair. Mm-hmm. Um, I will note, I have not read Vanity Fair or if I have, it was so long ago and I have no memory of it whatsoever, but I do really enjoy that. Um, she's a monsoon to... wedding. Oh, oh, oh my God. I love that movie so much. I, I love monsoon wedding. <laughs> I completely forgotten that was her somehow. That was the first Indian film I ever saw. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And it was, 
you know, what, I forget what we were talking about where I kept saying I was bedazzled, but I was <laughs> bedazzled. I think of the people in that film all the time. Those portrayals are so, so wonderful. Um, I remember buying the soundtrack on CD and listening to it over and over again. <laughs> like I just, oh, I loved that film. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. Well, I might, I got to look at this, see the other things that she's done. Mississippi Masala, of course, mm-hmm. is Denzel. I had only seen that for the first time when we did this, you know, this namesake um, programming. And uh, wow, if there's I anyone know. listening to this who hasn't seen it, they really should. And when you think about culture clashes um, and cultural, you know, just combinations, um, I think one of the things that's so important about that film, of course, is that in America, when you get a culture clash movie, it's usually white and another, and right, like by X. white, I usually mean sort of like waspy, mainstreamy, non-minority-ish US of an imagined sort, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is not about, not about white people. Yeah. And that is wonderful. And it's, you know, several decades old at this point and to have had such a strong um, project about that and I know this this conversation is not new for many people, but I think on a wider stage, that kind of conversation is, is a little newer. And it, you know, that movie was super powerful. I'm looking at her other, I have not seen quite a few of her other things. Like I haven't seen The Reluctant Fundamentalist, although I would like to. I have not. And I have not seen her A Suitable Boy, um, which is a novel I very much love. Me too. Um, and I, I don't have any issues with the people adapting it. Like, go go for it, you know. Um, but I'm losing it, so I want to watch it. <laughs> right. Um, I yeah, I've only, so I've only seen a few of hers, but I have not seen Salam Bombay. I haven't because I know I'll cry for three hours and it's like... That's too much of your hobby. It's too much of my hobby because it's like, I want to cry just enough, but I don't want to cry so much that I end up getting migraine and I can't go to work the next day. Like I mean, that's just about, like, it cuts into my productivity. The thing about crying is it dehydrates you and that's actually... So dehydrating. You know, there are ways that it's like having a hangover or something, right? It you is have, actually. You get a headache and you feel crappy and whatever. So yeah, You're I, like I'm puffy with you eyed. It's not fun. Yeah, it's, it's fun hot. within like, reason. Ugh. Oh my God, I just had an epiphany. Crying is like drinking. It's good when it's just enough, but you gotta like, you can't overindulge <laughs> in it. Oh my God. <laughs> I love that. I, love I feel that. like I should be a life coach and give this sort of advice to people. <laughs> I, I can make money back. Sign up for that. I love it. I'm looking at her. I haven't seen the Perez family. I bet that's probably really good. I haven't even heard of it. Yeah, it's got... um. It's got Marisa Tomei and Alfred Molina in it, among I have others. seen Kama Sutra. Is, that is Mira Nair's, right? Uh-huh. It is, okay. yeah. Because sometimes Deepa Mehta and Mira Nair, sometimes I, I confuse them a little bit. I know, I do too. Even though they're very different, they're but very sometimes different. it like blends a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think it's because they kind of like directed movies during the same eras also. And so, and some of their cast tends to be like the same, but, but I don't know. Um, yeah, I saw um, Kama Sutra in India. My friend really mm-hmm. wanted it yet and um it was an aerated film and we were not adult and she it was only playing in certain theaters because you know in india most theaters yeah. only are allowed to play universal certificate whatever movies and then only certain theaters are allowed to play a certificate movies so my friend goes we should go and see this movie and i'm like okay and of course no one checks id it's india no one cares so we're yeah. like fine and so we went in there and um she was afraid that someone was going to recognize us or whatever nobody did because everybody was too afraid that they were going to be recognized <laughs> <laughs> but I remember That's the amazing. movie being kind of idiotic and stupid. I feel like it is the only Mira Nair movie that I don't like, even though mm. it does have very, it does have Sarita Chaudhary, whom I do like. Mm-hmm. It has Indira Varma, whom I'm into yeah, about. I like her. It's probably the only Mira Nair movie where I was like, this is stupid. Um, and not like in a prudish way, like I'm not prudish about mm. it. I was just like, what is the point of this movie? Um, so yeah, but mm. also um, dear viewers slash listeners, what you should know is that um, just as Beth and I have this like superstar series where we talk about um, like female superstars uh, through the eras and we've been going in a chronological order. We also want to do a series which is on um, women film directors. Um, 
there's so many good people. There's Zoya Akhtar, there's Mira Nair, there's Deepa Mehta, like so many wonderful uh, women. And um, it, it will be fun to do the Mira Nair episode for mm-hmm. sure. I do want to revisit Mississippi Masala because it's been a while since I saw it. I first yeah. saw it in a motel in Dubuque, Iowa, of all places. I know it was just playing on TV. Like I was just like, you know, I why know. Were you, why were you in Dubuque, Iowa? Because someone told me it's very pretty. So we it went there in the pretty, summer for it? a weekend. Yeah, yeah it's pretty. Chicago? And it's, it's yeah. very close from Chicago. Mm-hmm. And it was very pretty in summer. It has like a cute little main street. And I had mm-hmm. ice cream and stuff. And then I was tired after a long hike. So I switched on the TV. And there's <laughs> Denzel. I will watch anything that has that man in it. He is fine. He you is will so laugh. Fine. I too have seen <laughs> an unexpected movie in Dubuque, Iowa, despite oh, never having know. lived there or anything. But I also was on a weekend trip from Chicago land. I never lived in the city because I'm Weekends cool. in Dubuque, Iowa, for those who want to know, are full of Chicago people. Okay. They have to be. And like, for people who don't know where this is, it's on the Mississippi River. So it's got beautiful bluffs and like you go in fall and all the leaves are yeah. It's very, very, and it's got like quaint sort of Americana Yes, it's very quaint. Way. Lots of pretty old brick houses and stuff. Yeah. Um, I actually, where I grew up, that is where you went to go skiing because that was the okay. closest we had to hills. And anywhere else in the country, people are like, you go to Iowa to go skiing? And you're like, yeah, I know. <laughs> That's all we've got <laughs> without going maybe I saw um, the horror film Urban Legends in Dubuque, Iowa, in the movie this theater. This is sounding familiar, but I, I'm struggling to... And I only saw it okay. because they filmed part of it at the University of Toronto campus where I had just been a student. So of course I had to go see it. And I don't watch horror movies as has been discussed. Right. On the and I was, you know, I saw a lot of it like this, but I did, I did see the buildings that I was supposed to see. So but Dubuque, nice. watch, watch an unexpected movie in Dubuque, Iowa. Ding. Well, the thing is there's not much to do in Dubuque after sundown. <laughs> I bet if you live there, it's one thing, but like, there's all these other things, you know, when you live in a smaller place, like living there can yeah. be great, but in terms of activities for visitors it's like (laughs) you know harder (laughs) if you're not visiting a friend or whatever right it's a lot it's a lot harder like whenever people want to people say if they're like oh can I come visit you in Champagne I'm like yes but (laughs) (laughs) please no (laughs) we may watch a lot of movies Uh, not a bad thing at all actually Um, um no go ahead go ahead no you go ahead I was just thinking about how even though one of my dominant impressions of the namesake, both versions, is grief and sadness, which it was even before my own personal experiences. Um, when I think of them, I th- oh, and also because they because they take place in New England significantly, mm-hmm. there's also a real sense of winter and cold and like how the film has them at the beach when it's gray and chilly. I yeah. love to go to the beach when it's like that. I really yeah. am glad they included that. Um, when I think of them, I picture this sort of golden, warm glow. And I think it's just the kind of love that exists in this family. And it's a love that lets people be complicated and be who they are and acknowledges their pasts and hopes well for their futures and like lets people make mistakes. Like the fact that Gogol, you know, that his marriage is not a success. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's really, I, I think it's wonderful that she tells that story because that's, and I'm sure for immigrant first generation kids, like that pressure might be even higher, you know, especially yeah. in a in an Indian family. Um, and I just I just love the the humanity that is in these people and the very real imperfect people that they are, and that um, that they are doing their best, and it is enough, you yeah. know, and that it's just beautiful. I think what makes the namesake such an amazing love story for me, I know that's not what it is at its core. It's more of like a coming of age, at least the book is. Um, but I think what makes the Ashima and Ashok uh, pairing such a powerful one for me is that it's so different from what we think of as like a typical filmy romance. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no like Shah Khan with his arms outstretched. Not that I have any problem with that. Nope. And there's no, you know, lip syncing to songs in Switzerland. There's just such a soft gentleness to that movie. Um, and, you know, just sort of the, the shy glances that Ashok and Ashima, mm-hmm. you know, you know, cast at yeah. each other. And then the scene where um, Ashok's family, like Irfan and his family have come to, to see Tabu and she's outside and she looks at his shoes and yeah. they are very nice shoes. And nice. she puts them on and she's like yeah. walking over there. And, and, and then many years later on their trip to India, when he says, why did you, you know, pick me? And she says, well, I liked your shoes. <laughs> and she's so flippant, but so cute about it. And then <laughs> he wants her to say she loves him. And she's like, 
say I love you like the Americans? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, no. And she just like walks away. Meanwhile, they've had two children, you guys. Yeah. Um, but there's something so sweet about it. And there's also something so relatable about it because I grew up with parents who would have been like that age. And my parents moved to Nigeria from India in mm. their in their late 20s. And I was a little baby. And I remember growing up, my dad would always bring my mom presents. He would always bring her like, you know, chocolates because she had a sweet tooth. And, you know, anytime he flew abroad, he would buy, bring her gifts from abroad. And they were always like simple, cute things. He would buy her baking books, for instance. So she had a whole library of um, cake and pie books that he bought in London primarily because you couldn't buy books wow. like that in Nigeria um, and things like that. And uh, my dad actually passed away when I was 15 years old. Um, and I remember a few years ago, I was in India and um, my mom was just like, you know, trying to like throw away some of her old stuff because my mom is a pack rat, you guys. Mm -hmm. So she just wanted to like get rid of some stuff. And I was like, yes, let's throw things away. I love this, you know, so I'm helping her. And at the very bottom of her pile of saris, there were like two little saris oh. and they were very, very old. And I looked at them very simple saris and I was like, what are these? And she didn't want to talk about it. And she just sort of like refused to talk about it and shoved them more in the back. And I was like, there is something here. This woman is avoiding me. Mm. Um, and I wasn't about to let that go. And then a little while later, um, a few days later, I actually asked her about the saris because I'd like snuck a peek at them. And she told me that, so my parents had an arranged marriage and um, my dad was an accountant. He was a CA. So in India, you had to do this thing called article ships. I don't know if CA still do that. I have no idea what it is, mm. but it's where you go to different companies and you look at their accounts and it's mm. part of the training to be a CA. So he had been sent to do his artist articleship in a town called Baroda, which is in the neighboring state of Gujarat. And he was, he didn't have a lot of money. He was a student. He just had like whatever stipend he got from his company and whatever pocket money his dad gave him. And he bought my mom these two extremely inexpensive cotton saris, Bandani tie-dye saris from Gujarat. Oh. And they were they were not allowed to see each other because they were engaged but not married yet. And my mom was still living at home. So apparently um, he called up my grandfather, my maternal grandfather, and, and said, can I come and see my fiance, I have a present for her. And my grandfather said, okay. And of course it was one of those scenes like in the namesake where it's like the entire family is in the living room of wow. a teeny tiny matchbox sized apartment in Mumbai. <laughs> Everybody's there. Everybody wants to know what it is that you have brought. And my dad shyly presented my mom, these two cotton saris that he had bought with his absolutely minuscule stipend. Oh. And my mom had kept them all those years. Oh. Um, yeah. Like my dad passed away in 95 mm. and, you know, she still has those and she, she wouldn't, she wouldn't talk about it. She wouldn't let me touch them. She's never oh. gotten rid of them. She doesn't wear them. They're very, very frail now, Yeah, yeah. Um, but she still has them. So when I think of the kind of like the love and the mm. romance, um, just this very sort of like old world, like our parents' generation kind of love that the namesake mm. has, it just reminds me of the kind of affection and the love I've seen with my grandparents or my mom or my mm -hmm. aunt, like, you know, those families where they're not that um, physically demonstrative and they're very shy and um, sort of mellow about these things, but there's just such a deep and true devotion to each other. Mm. Um, so I think that's also what I love so much about the namesake where it just feels very real and it doesn't, it doesn't feel filmy, you know, right. like it does, it feels very relatable, I think. Yeah. 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 Am I remembering correctly that the name Ashima means like without border or without yes. limit? And so like, I, I yeah. love that. They don't ever talk about her name, if I recall correctly. But, um, you know, when I was doing all these discussions, a lot of the participants in these discussions were middle-aged women. Um, yeah. And so many of us, like the book is actually about her, yes. you know, and how her her worlds, her worlds, her growth, the fact that she goes out and gets a job, you know, at the mm -hmm. library, like, you know, and that, that she learns how to, to be an American and all the kinds of things you were mm -hmm. talking about, about navigating these systems. And, you know, if we have any, uh, you know, Gen Z people listening to this, I don't know that we do, but like, you couldn't just Google this stuff when we were, yeah. you know, when she was, you couldn't Google, I'm in Cambridge, Massachusetts. How do I, how, after I do my laundry, like, 
you know, you had to ask somebody and if you're her, the only person, you know, is your husband. And guess what? He's also from India and he's a man. So he definitely doesn't know (laughs) of these generations. Right. So like, this is, this is very, the, the transformations that she undergoes and, you know, the, the things within her that she learns how to nourish and, and raise and all are, are massive. And again, are quite relatable, I think, Mm -hmm. um, even for women who maybe are from what grew up in whatever country it is that they're currently living in. And so culturally have some of this knowledge, but to find your own inner fortitude and like, let it, fill you and to expand it outwards to help other people and and relate to other people and all that kind of stuff. Like I love, you know, she's, she's so wonderful. And I, as much as I would love to, it's fun to think about Ronnie Mukherjee doing it. Cause I do think she would have been good. I think she would have been good. I, it's kind of hard to imagine anyone other than Tabu in the role because she is just so truly, truly wonderful. Yeah. And that's Tabu too. Like that is the magic of Tabu. Like any movie that you see that she's in, it's impossible to imagine anyone else doing it. Not that there's other people who don't have talent, but like if you look mm. at Tabu in Makbul, if you look at Tabu in, uh, what is that movie that came out with Ayushman Karana where she plays a femme fatale? Uh-huh. Andhadun? Uh-huh. Andhadun, I think, yeah. yeah. Or that, or just any of the films she does, even her role in Kandu Konde, Kandu Konde, which is often seen as like a more fluffy rom-commy yeah, movie. I, would agree I can't imagine you, anyone else. I would agree with you about the films you're naming. I think some of her masala films oh, probably no. could have been, you know, so these things that are slightly more towards the art cinema direction or yeah. whatever. And I think she's, I think she can be good in the masala films. Don't, that's mm-hmm. not what I'm saying, but I think, there are many people who could do what she yeah. does in those films. And I'm thinking of things like, um, she's kind of wasted in them. Like, she yeah, is, I've seen right. Bhatt, she why is. would you cast Tabu in Bhatt? Um, Bhatt? You could put anyone in there. And I watched, um, <sighs> Bubulaya too. Oh, it was so um, terrible. <laughs> I don't remember why I watched it. Actually. I think I was trying to catch up on things for the end of the year or something, you know, and when she is on the screen, it's instantly much improved. And then when the oh, film yeah. sort of, you know, when she kind of takes over towards the end of the film, it's definitely better. But like, did that have to be taboo? No, but I'm no. glad it was. <laughs> also, I was very angry as a Tabu fan and as a woman, I was very upset about the de-aging thing that they did on her in Bulbalaya too. Yeah. Like they smoothened out her face and did all the things where her face lost all character. And I was like, you know what? Tabu is gorgeous. She will be gorgeous when she has wrinkles. She will be 86 years old and gorgeous. How dare you de-age her? She yeah. does not need it. It is Leave terrible. Her face alone. And it, it just looks awful. I hated that. Um, I mean, Bulbalaya too is a terrible movie. It is. Don't watch it if you haven't. No. Um, but yeah, it's like, do we need Tabu in that movie? No, we we want Tabu to be doing more of the roles that, you know, Shafali Shah has been doing. Tabu is phenomenal. Um, yeah. But I truly cannot imagine anyone else's Irfan. I think he was always the front runner for that role. Yeah, I mean, sir, I've been thinking about this a little bit since we decided to do this topic. And it, there, I think there are probably some other people who would have been okay. Mm. But I think he is definitely, yeah, I mean... Why wouldn't yeah. you take him? Why wouldn't you take him for this project if you could? You yeah. Know? I and love this, the fact that, oh, good. Well, I was just going to say that, you know, I feel like I could be wrong about this. My impression is that Irfan's reputation just only grew as his career went on, right? Yes. So when this film was made in 2005, 2006, I know his reputation then, I suspect it was still quite strong, but it wasn't what it was when he died, right? So I can imagine, I don't know this, but I can imagine that there were, you know, to to spot him for this film and get him for this film is a little bit of a different matter, maybe than it would have been if it had been made in 2015 or like when they made Life of Pi and things like that, right? So he wasn't the Irfan widely then, yeah, maybe, but I'm sure among film professionals, I would not be surprised well, that they were like, well, duh, we told you, you know. <laughs> well, him and Mira and I would go a really, really long time back, though, because of Salam Bombay. Right. Because Salam Bombay right. is his first film. And I saw an interview of his wow. where he talks about how um, his role was very, very cut. Like, he's the letter writer mm. in Salam Bombay. He doesn't even have a name. And his role was uh, massively cut on the editing table. And apparently, he was convinced this was going to be his big break. He was going to make oh. it. He was very excited. And then Mira and I called him up. 
in the middle of the night to tell him, listen, the movie is coming out and I just want you to know a large oh. chunk of your role was cut. And he said he cried all night. Oh, I know. This is one of the things I love about Irfan so much, like the reason he is so dear to me. The man was raw. I have never seen an Irfan interview and I've seen so many Irfan interviews because mm-hmm. I love him. He was always very honest. He was always very like, yeah, I thought my life was over. I thought my career was over before it had even started. I cried all night and I put on a brave face and I tried again. And I was like, oh, this is why I love you so much for fun. Um, But, you know, what makes me really giggle is that apparently Cal Penn's role (laughs) was given to him because Mira Nair's son was a big fan of Harold and Kumar go to Newcastle. I can believe that go to white castle and I can then believe they recommend that. it but it's so funny because my only real exposure to calpen is because of two things harold and Camargo to white castle and the namesake so i have no no and then now as like a political person yeah. Yeah. you know and so it to me there's just so much cognitive dissonance it's like kumar Golga, what do you so I've, I've actually never seen harold and kumar um do you how do you think he does in the film? Because I have heard people say they think he is, while not awful, the weakest. I Certainly of the main he, three people, he's the weakest, but kind of the weakest overall of anyone who has any significant time in the in the film. And I'm not I'm I, not sure I agree with that, but I, I can kind of uh, see what they're saying, maybe. I think he's okay. I think what is difficult actually is his is his role, the way it's written, yeah. the way that character is written. It's kind of hard to root for Google, to be honest. I mean, like I get it. I understand where he's coming from. I understand that it's it's kind of like, you know, when you see movies and TV shows about high schoolers and it's so yeah. hard to them <laughs> yeah. like i know that you think your life is over because the cute boy dumped you mm-hmm. or the cute boy isn't mm-hmm. asking you to prom but i mm-hmm. couldn't care less like i just that's right like it just feels so vacuous and facile and i know it's <laughs> not vacuous and facile yeah. to that 16 year old but to me looking at back with that lens i'm just like i don't care you yeah. know so i think it's kind of like Google's character is hard it is. i mean you you have irfan and tabu on screen and then you have him being petulant and then you have him being childish and you have him being yeah. unappreciative or uncommunicative and you're just like ugh, you know but that's just the way his character is written and i think that it's kind of a thankless job because <laughs> I, I don't think he could have played it any better to answer yeah, your question. And I think anyone who did that, you were always going to be a little bit annoyed by him. <laughs> but I love his character arc. I yeah. love how he like blunders through everything and comes out okay. We feel like he's going to be okay. Um, that, that scene, I haven't seen this in a while, but that scene where he and his wife go to the party Oh yeah. Oh, and like they're, you know, their marriage his, is starting to fall his, apart. That and Moshimi's just... character is so unlikable. It is but, but also so recognizable, unlikable. right? Very like, recognizable. Like, oh, I, for I sure. Wanna, we have all wanna, met this person. And I don't want to take away her Bengaliness, but like I feel mm-hmm. like we've all met that person wherever she may happen to be from. And uh oh boy. And yeah. of course a guy like him is gonna fall for her, and you're like, oh, yeah. I see where this is going. Oh. Yeah. Like from the moment she enters the screen, I'm like, oh, not you. Like She's so artsy. annoying. So yeah, annoying. So, yeah. Such a poser. So annoying. Nose up in the air. I just, I just want to smack her. And yeah. especially when I, when I lived in New York, um, oh. uh, I met, I met those people on a daily basis, and it was exhausting. Beth. Yeah. it was so tiresome. Yeah. I was very happy when I got out of the East Coast. Let's just say. Um, <laughs> But yeah, she is she is very, very instantly recognizable mm-hmm. and very hateable. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that that's really well done too. I mean, I think she played her role really oh, well. Yeah. I thought Zuleika Robinson did a good... That's yeah. the thing, like everyone in this film has done such a good role, yeah. such a good job. The screenplay by Sunita Raporwala, the direction yeah. by Mira Nair, the acting. Every single person mm-hmm. has acted incredibly well. Um, I also feel for Maxine, who is Gogol's <laughs> American girlfriend, Imagine being with a guy who has never shown the least bit of interest in being Indian, the least bit of interest in being Bengali, has hidden all aspects of that life from you, Nick. And then when you try to comfort him, he's like, you're not, you don't get it. Yeah, because you never shared that part of your life with her. What is she supposed to do? I Um, love, I loved watching that kind of unfold because Maxine's family is a very specific 
it is minority type of American family. Right. And like, I would be just as smitten by Maxine as Gogol was like, I would want to be her friend. I would love to go to her family's house on the beach and like, or have Christmas with them or whatever. Like that is a very Martha Stewart-y, specific, probably very New England, like old money, particular Mm -hmm. kind of family. Um, they probably it's, birthed it's many, the many a woke bro, right? Like, yeah. Oh, like Gwyneth Paltrow belongs to that class. Yeah, and sort of like John <laughs> Kerry and some of those people. Yes. Right? Like, it's, it's hyper-specific, but also because it's a thing you see in American media from time to time. Like, um, um, you know, in Will and Grace, like Will's family. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, it's yeah. kind of like that, right? Like the Uber yeah. wasp, um, the yeah. New England Uber wasp. But in fact, so the I, t-shirt I'm wearing right now is like a sailing t-shirt there you that go. has Newport, Rhode Island written there on you it. Go. And like Rhode Island, <laughs> yeah, like Narragansett, all of right. those places, or like Cape Cod, or like yep. it is so specific. But that's the thing that's so amazing about this movie, right? They get it all yeah. right. Yeah, they get Calcutta right. They get mm. you know the the suburbs right. They get everything right, and it's it's very rarely that I see a movie that I can't nitpick, and I mm. love to nitpick. Yeah. But I'm like, well. Oh, great but there's this one tiny little thing I want to criticize and it's hard to do that with the namesake much as I much as I would like to yeah I don't have any any complaints about any the book anywhere in the book or anywhere in the film yeah. I really I really really don't and maybe maybe I'm kind of um you know sometimes you just get on board with a thing and you're on it you're there and you're yeah. with it no matter what and maybe there's some of that happening but I do feel it's really really earned like this is, is not a- us being bamboozled by <laughs> something shiny or whatever like this is very very quality um this is a quality product yeah i don't know what yeah. i'm trying to say it, it's friday it's the end of the work day work week i'm like Bleh. but it it just is um it's almost hard to say much about it because it's so great you know yeah um i'm gonna right? start like every episode that we do if i feel like a certain thing is not objectively worthy of the praise I'm heaping on it, but I think I'm being bamboozled. I'm going to be like, there's a possibility that I was bamboozled. Oh, I get bamboozled. <laughs> and it wasn't all the actually time. that good. <laughs> yeah. I get bamboozled all the time. And, and, you bamboozled know, and, that is, and bedazzled. <laughs> they are their own kind of good, and that's absolutely okay, right? If that's what you, you know, if you're willing to uh, suspend your disbelief and be bamboozled, that's totally fine. Like, I, yeah. what was I bamboozled by recently? Uh-huh. Oh, well, like, Okay, I have seen very few of the new releases this year, I must say. I think I've only seen like two or three. I've only been to the theater twice uh-huh. for Indian films. But um, you know, a couple of years from now when I rewatch Pathan, am I gonna be like, wow, this is the most amazing film ever? I'm not. Right. But no. I was I was willingly bamboozled by the excitement, by the, you know, the sharpness yeah. of it all, like whatever. Like after he's done a couple other films since then, and we'll we'll, you know, like I'm probably not gonna rewatch that film, right? But I watched it twice in cinema because I had such a good time and I wanted to be part of the thing and I wanted it to have my money. And like, (laughs) I was bamboozled. Yeah. (laughs) I I guess I wasn't bamboozled by uh, Pony and Sullivan. I saw one and two and I was on board for both and I love them both. And I don't think, I think that was also a quality product trademark. Yeah. So then you were Uh, bamboozled. I was not bamboozled. Um, Although I was bamboozled by, um, by Nandini. I would stab someone if she told me to. <laughs> I'm like, you want to stab the crown prince? Okay, I'll do it. Because yeah. you're Ishwarya. <laughs> I would have no loyalty to king or state. I would just be like, okay. <laughs> you know, the other thing I loved about the namesake when I when I rewatched it recently um, that I don't think I thought about before, um, I really love the music choices. They're oh, so good. Beautiful. The music choices yeah. are so, and they're so eclectic. They're so mm. different. It would be so lazy and easy to just populate this soundtrack with like classical ragas. I was going like to say ragas, Nora, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like a Nora Jones song here and there, oh, and, you yeah. know, like one of those things. Yeah. But I love the fact that like in the scene where we have Gogol and, uh, you know, it's um, Ashok's death scene and everything. And then, you know, going to the hospital and all of that, they have rap music. I, I love that. It's yeah. so unexpected and different. And just the music choices 
are so good and music is not necessarily something I, I notice much mm. in movies, um, especially if it's just like background music and it's not like necessarily a big song and dance number that's being like lip synced and stuff, mm. but it's just a really eclectic soundtrack. And mm. I later on went on YouTube and like tried to find like um, all of the songs in it and everything nice. it was really cool. I also like that the namesake begins with Ashima singing Oh, when yeah. the credits, yeah, you yeah. see her like sing, you see and That's listen right. to her singing, and then it ends again with her in Calcutta singing. So there's mm-hmm. like a nice like bookend sort of thing that happens over there, um, and I like that yeah. very much as well. Um, go ahead. It sounds kind of like we're probably winding wrapping yeah. up. I have a question before we okay. do. Do you have a fun story or interesting story about your name? Yes, I do. Um, so my mom um, was a feminist before she even knew what that word was, um, which is very nice. And in most Indian families, um, women do not get to name their own children. It mm. depends on what community you belong to. But like in my community, for instance, um, it's the baby's auntie who names mm. the baby. So the father's sister gets to name her. And um, my mother was like, absolutely not. Nobody is naming this child. And of course, everybody tried to, like my grandfather came up with multiple names. My grandma did, my dad did, like every single person came up with names from both sides of the family. And my mother was like, no, who got pregnant? Me. Who was pregnant for nine months and carried this child? Me. Who's going to be giving birth? Me. I will name it. It is my child. And my mother to this day will tell every single person loudly, you got pregnant. You had the baby. You carried it for nine months. You went through labor pains. You would get to name the child. And people like young people are shocked by her saying this. So everybody in the family knew that only my mother would name the child. And she originally wanted to name me Sitara Devi who was a very famous um, Kathak dancer because my mom admired her and she would mm. perform on television. And of course I have two left feet, so I'm kind of glad she didn't name me that. <laughs> That's a lot to put on a child. Yeah, I know. She was like, you will be like the great Sitara Devi. I mean, I am dramatic, but I can dance. Um, so <laughs> then she came up with Nantara, which means um, uh, the stars in my eyes, mm. which is a wonderful name. Beautiful. And that I would have liked. And my father thought it was too long and complicated and multisyllabic, which I was like, who cares? I don't care. It's such a wonderful name. So he vetoed that. And she's like, fine. (laughs) And then she was. um, So in India, you don't have to have the birth certificate ready to go. You can, in fact, do Mm. what they do in the namesake where you can come back later and then have it filled out. That's fine. Like, you know, after a month or whatever. Um, So my mom had a male doctor who has given who has assisted in the delivery of all the babies in my family. um, And he was Punjabi. And when I was born, he said to my mom, he said, do you have a name thought of for the baby? And she said, no, because I keep coming up with good names and my husband keeps vetoing them and I will name my child. And then he said, you know, if this was my baby, I would have named her Preeti. Uh, and Preeti means love in oh. Hindi and in Sanskrit. And my mom said, really? Why? Apart from the fact that every other child in Punjab is named some version of Preeti, um, he says, because Preeti means love and to look upon this baby is to love it because it's so cute. And my mother was like, I like that. So before she could change her mind, she got the nurse to get her the form and she wrote my name. And then by the time everybody got to the hospital, she was like, yes, this is my child. My child's name is Preeti. Preeti. They were like... (laughs) Okay, sure, great, of course. And then, of course, my family being very, very lazy, um, no one could pronounce it because my cousins were much younger and they couldn't say the letter R. So they would uh. they would keep calling me Piti, and then it became Piti, and then it became Pitu. Uh. They just couldn't. They were too young to be able to pronounce it, so they kept calling me Pitu, and then that just sort of stuck. And so everyone in my family and all my friends called me Pitu. And then when I started blogging and everything, I started blogging under the name Pitu because. Literally, no one calls me Preeti. The only people who call me Preeti are coworkers. Wow. Yeah, it's my identity everywhere is Pitu. And I always like struggle with, because I'm like, like literally if I'm walking down the street and someone says Preeti, I won't turn around because no one calls me that. They just call me Pitu. So I also really appreciate the fact of like, I'm not Bengali, but the whole thing about like Bhalonam and Daknam, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. good name and the pet name, I mm-hmm. relate to that very much because yeah. I do not relate to my my good name at all. I just think of myself as Pitu, nice. um, which I think fits me better than Preeti does because I'm not very lovable. Um, and Pitu is an alcohol in Brazil, I am told. So 
Nice. <laughs> Do you have a story about your name? <laughs> not not a good one, but I'll just I I too have uh the the I'm technically Elizabeth, but I have never oh. gone by that. Uh I've always Cuz you don't feel queenly? <laughs> I don't know, it was just too too long or whatever. Like but Elizabeth um has more nicknames for it than probably any other name I've ever heard. It's got, if you go to the Wikipedia page for it, it's just oceans and it's in any culture that has the Bible in it, has an Elizabeth right. in its language and they all shorten it. And it's all, you know, so it's, and, it, and because like in English, it has the th sound in it. And a lot of languages don't do that. So like it becomes S and all sorts of other things. Right. So like I could basically be anything. And I took probably the, well, maybe Beth is not as easy as Liz, but you know, yeah. I was, I've always just been Beth, but to the extent that like you were saying about your name, if someone says it on the street, you don't know it's you when substitute teachers would come and they would read Elizabeth off the roll sheet. I didn't realize it was me at the doctor's <sighs> office. They'd come out and say Elizabeth. And I'm like, when it's my turn, you know, oh, um, and, but I have almost always been the only Beth in my classes, in my musical ensembles, at my workplace, whatever, like my friend groups. It's, it's super common name in the United States to be Elizabeth. Yeah. Lynn. It's one of the top 10 most used names, I think, for a century or something like that. Wow. Like, everybody knows Elizabeth's and it may be their middle name, but like it's super common. Right. Um, but at, at work a few years ago, when I got, uh, we had a, I had a new boss and her name was, was Beth also. And I was like, I don't. I don't know what to do. <laughs> and then we got another, another new employee who was also named, she was Elizabeth. So like the, the second Beth started going by Elizabeth very kindly because I was kind of having right. a little bit of a panic attack or something. About this. <laughs> she started going by Elizabeth, even though a lot of her family and all calls her Beth as well. And then the other person came and she was Elizabeth and we we're like, now what do we do? <laughs> right. Now she gets to be Lizzie, like Lizzie Bennett. <laughs> and there was a time in, in graduate school when I did a library science degree, which is, you know, a field that has a vast majority women in it. And there were, there were multiple other Beths in that. And in a class one day, there was a class of like 20 of us there were three bats in this class of 20 and the, and the professor, like in the second week, couldn't remember my name. And I was like, just guess you're going to get it. Like, yeah. <laughs> but I have no like interesting, interesting things about my name. It's just super common. And I have always resented that there are not a lot of words that rhyme with Beth. So it does not appear in songs very much. There's like death. I was just thinking of death. I was like death. And then I was like, death I and breath. I and that's like, that's oh, about breath. it. Mm -hmm. Um, um, Matt. there's, <laughs> It's very, it's very metal, <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's the, I, to the extent that the only song, you're very edgy, Beth, like you're the, very only pop, edgy. the only pop song I know of with Beth in it is actually by Kiss, which is, you know, nice. <laughs> like, it's not a, it's not a name that really appears in like poems and songs and stuff, which is actually totally fine. And people have had a lot of fun making up new nicknames for me and stuff. When I point this out, I'm like, my name is very underrepresented. So you want to do something about oh. that? <laughs> It's very highly represented in literature, though. Yes, I'm sure it is. I'm yes, sure it is. So and it, you know, there are many, many famous people, many, you know, the, the Elizabeth of this European place or that European place, like obviously yeah. there's a million of those, but, and there's always, you know, if you want to get the little plastic license plate for your bicycle when you're a kid, oh, yeah. it's like, there's always, there's always a Beth. Um, oh yeah. And that, you know, like my best friend growing up, who is still one of my very best friends is named Melina, which is a beautiful Greek name, uh -oh. um, but it's not super common in the United States. No. Like, there was never a Melina little license no. plate for your bicycle. <laughs> Well, it's also funny too, because like Preeti is such a pan-Indian name. I mean, literally mm. it's one of those names that North India, Western India, Eastern India, South India, everybody has Preeti. Mm. And there's always the, the male version of it, which is Preet or Harpreet, oh, just sure. Preet, whatever, like yeah. so common, right? And it's like, it's just so common. And it's so funny because in India, if I tell someone my name and I'm like Preeti and they, no one bats an eye because they're like, yeah, whatever. It's like the Jennifer of India. <laughs> but then here I introduce myself to people and like, you know, in work settings, I don't tell people my name is Preeti. I'll just be like Preeti and they'll be like, that's lovely. What does that name mean? It's bad. And I'm like, it's nice, isn't it? Because <laughs> <laughs> like I get to feel special for like a few minutes, except for yeah. that situation a few months ago when the lady told me that Preeti is her favorite name because she watched Kabir Singh. And then I was very upset about that. We don't so, like that at all. No, we do not like that. <laughs> mm -mm. I have a little ongoing, um, you know, if I see in the news that a, an Elizabeth has done something horrible, I'm like, mm -mm, oh. nope, 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 you're letting us down. Oh, like the Theranos lady. Right. 
she's very bad. There's like a super right wing German political lady or like protester lady who's awful. Like there's a few, there's some bad, I mean, there's so many of us, like there's going to be some bad actors too, but like every now and again, I'm like, nope, nope. I, you cannot be in the club anymore. So are you a good Elizabeth? Are you a bad Elizabeth? Or are you just kind of okay-ish? Right. Right. It's no, it was a question. Me, me. Um, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I'm probably fairly neutral. I think like, okay. you know, I'm a, I'm a person in an energy con- over-consuming country. So like I contribute more than my share of t- environmental degradation by nature of being someone in contemporary America, but like I try to do good work and like rescue dogs and yeah, you know, buy secondhand clothes instead of fast fashion and stuff like that. So I yeah, <laughs> I try to even it out a little bit, but I don't know. It's okay. a lot. And like, you know, the, the recently departed uh, Queen Elizabeth II, you know, mm. on balance, what I think she's probably gonna have to go in the negative Elizabeth category. Yeah, sure. A lot of it's not really specific me, her fault, is. but yeah, like she but... inherited a lot of problems. Oh, but yeah. she could have also like abdicated and stuff because yeah, know, like <laughs> torn it all down. And she, she definitely did not do that. No, um, I feel like Elizabeth Hurley is a good and and um Elizabeth Taylor, of course, good Lizzie, mm-hmm. very good. Elizabeth Liz- Bennett would be my favorite Elizabeth, oh, yeah, even though she's sure. fictional. Yeah, no, for sure, she's great. Okay. Very cool. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of Filmy Ladies. We are super excited to hear your comments about the namesake. And if you would like to tell us a story about your name, we would love to hear it. Um, Like we promise we won't make fun of it. We will not. We will not (laughs) like share, subscribe. Um, We are Filmy Ladies on Twitter and Instagram. And we are excited to say that Next up in our superstar series, we will have a very special guest that we're excited about. I'll keep it a secret for now, but I'm the last time this person was on our show, it is by far the most watched episode on our YouTube channel. So I feel like the combination of this person and the topic we're going to cover is going to be, and I can't wait. I'm not sure when that will be, but it'll be not too long after this. We're just going to have to be very fabulous Mm -hmm. because our subject is so fabulous. And that doesn't narrow it down too much because there are a lot of fabulous, (laughs) fabulous filming ladies out there. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time.